This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey, this is Annie, and welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Yes, I am still uh, by myself, um, but... Samantha will be back. Never fear. Um, And this is another installment of Sminty Fiction, which is a once a month thing we do. Has a bit more uh, special effects. Well, I guess a lot more because most of the episodes have none. But no, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, And if that's not your thing, that's totally cool. Um, But yeah, we are close to the end. I'm getting excited. This episode does have a lot of content warnings, though. Um, so for illness, viruses, death, uh, gun violence, explosions, car crashes, uh, it is your very action-packed penultimate-ish episode. Uh, so if you haven't heard the rest of the the episodes, I would recommend going back and listening to them if you're interested. Uh, but yeah, uh, we are close to the end. Um, this episode also contains a hilarious amount of um, me once again do, going all in on directions, which I'm not sure was necessary, but I certainly did it. Uh, <laughs> I did this for NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month in 2010. It's not very edited, uh, if at all, because I kind of just wanted to look and see what was going on in my head at that point, which is before I started on this show. It was, I mean, it was around the same time, but it was before I'd really kind of accepted that I was indeed a feminist. So I just was curious. Your recap. Uh, So in a world where humanity is dying out because of this virus, um, and because of that, any children who are produced go to um, the Board of Better Parenting, and that determines where they go. Our main character, Tilda, has run away with her child, Madison, who was conceived illegally outside of a conception center. She has been pursued for seven years with her child, 
um, by enforcers. She is a, a priority number one, as they're called, from the government in arm, which is the religious organization that leads alongside the government. And they've had a lot of close calls, including one where Tilda was shot um, and she had to heal up. And through this, through the person that helped heal her, Lynn, she learned about a potential cure. So she went and sought out this resistance who might know more about it. And it turns out that there isn't a cure, but there is a vaccine. And she also learns that the resistance is not exactly what she thought they were. And they're willing to use her son as sort of bait. And she's not cool with that. Uh, also, her mother makes a very impassioned message about um, her daughter coming home that is broadcasted through the state's kind of radio system that they have set up. And now they are on their way with the resistance to potentially find this vaccine. So that is where we are. Um, please, please mind the content warning for this one. Um, but enjoy. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Her eyes opened slowly, so gradually she wasn't aware of it at first, her mother's words echoing in her ears. Night had faded, giving way to a twilight morning. Around her, people rustled, conversing lowly, fiddling with belts, and checking weapons. Tilda took a deep breath of cold air. Madison snuggled closer to her. Mark pressed two energy bars into her hand, murmuring, We're almost there. 
She took the bars and pulled off the wrappers, nudging Madison awake with her shoulder, placing the bar in her hand and closing his fingers around it, urging him to eat. She finished hers quickly, nerves making it difficult to keep still. Madison only nibbled at his, face puffy with sleep. Should we give her a gun? Zuleika questioned, gesturing to Tilda. Mark shook his head. She won't need one. The truck dipped as it passed over a pothole. The lab's north of the city center. We loop around and enter through the top end. If we meet any enforcers, teams one and two will take them on and provide us a distraction to get into the lab. Do you know where the lab is? Tilda asked under the impression that they were only guessing at its existence. No, but Merlin does, and he's driving the lead van. Mark's response threw her, and she furrowed her brow. Merlin's our acquisitions and communications expert, Zuleika explained. Tilda didn't inquire about the rest of the plan, focusing on forming one of her own that sole purpose was to keep Madison, to protect him. She'd fight for him, just as her mother had fought for her. Mostly, that's all her plan involved. She'd hammer out the details when she got to them. A static transmission issued from the radio in the front of the truck. We must be close. Mark leaned forward to speak with the driver when an explosion in front of them propelled the tires off the ground. Mark was shouting, but another explosion to their left knocked the truck to its side, where it rolled once, sending its passengers sprawling into a mass of bodies. Zilda clutched Madison to her, trying to shield his body with her own. There was stillness, weaponry and explosions ripping the air as everyone tried to make sense of what had happened. Arms and legs squirmed, stepping and hitting in their frantic desperation to pull themselves free. Tilda's task was made more difficult by the child in her arms, and she got stepped on and struck more than once, kicking against the metal siding to slide herself incrementally forward before someone jerked her to her feet. She was pulled forward, forced to run to keep up or tumble to her knees. Her feet met pitted and cracked road. Smoke thickened the air. The sharp reports of rapid-firing guns filled the air, but Tilda could only see flashes of movement. This way, Mark motioned them forward, keeping his gun at the ready in front of him. He led them toward a building with collapsed upper floors, only the ground floors and parts of the second still standing. Looking around revealed that most of the buildings in the area had been decimated. Walls crumbling, craters in the side making them look like open-faced dollhouses, complete with furniture and clocks and picture frames, floors and rooms stacked on top of each other. Another explosion tore through the air, sending Tilda careening off her feet. Fire ate up her shoulder and her vision faded out for a moment. Her arms went numb and Madison rolled out of her grasp. Blood ran into her eye and she blinked it away, forcing herself up, pulling Madison back into almost unresponsive arms. Next to her was the bloody body of Adam, eyes wide and staring into nothing, crimson streaked across his face and leaking from his side. His outstretched fingertips reached for a gun. The ground shook again until the fault to stay on her hands and knees, reaching tentatively for the weapon with her shaking hand. She grasped it, looking around for someone else in the vicinity, but they were all engaged in whatever battle was being waged just out of her sight. Sliding the gun into the waistband of her jeans, she pushed to her feet, Madison fisting his hands in the back of her jacket. The ground was uneven under her feet. Everything seemed to be various shades of gray. She stumbled forward, barely able to keep her feet beneath her. Falling hard into the doorway knocked the wind from her. She could hear shouting as she blinked fireflies from her vision. The corridor she found herself in was dark, the shafts of light from behind her and in the cracks of the floor above the only source of light. 
Tilda strained her eyes in the darkness, feeling her way along the hall. Her fingertips met empty space. There was a stairwell with the barest traces of artificial light coming from below. Instinct compelled her to descend the stairs, the yelling growing closer, acting as a stimulant. She practically ran down the stairs, hoping no one had seen her take them, that she wouldn't hear footsteps stomping after her. Coiled like a snake, the stairs took her down two levels. Tilda's knees jarred and buckled as she hit the cement floor, and she relied on the railing to right herself. The depth dulled the sound of fighting above, allowing Tilda to hear clattering, breaking glass, rifling papers, and swearing coming from the room at the end of the hall. Tilda glanced behind her, slowing her jog to a creep. Balancing Madison on her hip, she reached behind her and fished the gun out of her waistband. She felt the weight of it in her hand, her grip intuitive. The gun trembled as she held it in front of her, a particularly loud swear causing her finger to twitch over the trigger. As they approached the doorway, Tilda quietly set Madison on his feet, whispering in his ear for him to stay behind her. He hunched at her back, clutching her shirt. With her other hand, she steadied the gun, but still it shook in her grasp. She peered into the room. It was a long, rectangular space lined with benches, shelves, isolation labs, and refrigerators, lab tables, and vats down the center. The floor was littered with glass, metal instruments, and paper. At first, Tilda mistook it for empty, but a loud crash drew her attention to the back corner of the long room. A man, tall and slender, cursed loudly, sweeping his arms along a black countertop and sending beakers smashing into the floor. Madison whined, hiding his face into Tilda's back. The man whipped his head around and Tilda raised the gun, training it on him. He froze, staring at her in surprise. Who are you? He demanded, and Tilda swallowed, wishing her hands would stop shaking. The ground rumbled above them. I'm looking for the vaccine. Contrary to her grip, her voice was quite steady, only the smallest wobble betraying her. Anger twisted the man's features. You're too late. The enforcers destroyed it. Why? She demanded. Because they don't want a vaccine, he growled. Seeing the confusion painted on Tilda's face, he expounded, they want to hold on to their power, and how better than to rule by fear and keep our numbers low. He kicked a chair over and Tilda took an involuntary half-step back. My life's work. I was going to be remembered as the man who cured HSV-5, idolized, the savior of the human race, but they destroyed it. He flung a microscope at the wall. Madison whimpered at the fury in the raised voice, and the man stopped dead noticing the shuddering child crouching behind Tilda. The anger fled his face, stunned wonder taking its place. He moved forward and Tilda raised the gun, her shaking more pronounced than ever. Stop, she commanded, hating the quaver in her voice for betraying her. He spared her the briefest of glances, fixated on the small sliver of Madison he could see. Is that, is that a child? A loud bang from above sent a cloud of dust into the air. Madison shifted so Tilda's body hid him completely. The man continued to stare at the spot where he had been for several seconds before he finally raised his eyes to meet Tilda's. He's yours. Tilda didn't respond, but he nodded as if she did. You came to get the vaccine for your son. He stared at her in muted amazement as though he'd stumbled on something unexpected rediscovering the last missing piece, obvious all along. 
I had forgotten. It's been so long since I've seen one. A child, I mean. He gave a breathy laugh of awe. He's so small. He stepped forward and Tilda took a corresponding step back. She didn't know what to do in the face of his shocked wonderment, something akin to a rapturous light in his eyes. She swallowed delicately, darting her eyes to the side, looking for an escape route. I've never seen one this close. He clapped his hands together and held them in front of his mouth as if in prayer, smiling. A few at the conception center, but never... I had forgotten. The whole reason why I wanted a cure right in front of my very eyes, but I had forgotten. A shaky laugh punctuated his sentence. Tilda tried to regain control of the situation, hazily wondering where Mark or Zuleika or the enforcers were. Did the resistance die? How could she be the first one here, the only one here? There is no cure. No, the man agreed readily, distractedly, still trying to get a glimpse of Madison. But I did discover a vaccine. Or I helped discover one. We had two labs. One public one, and this one, secret. Even then, we didn't want the state or arm knowing the extent of our operation, where our entire stock would be if we started manufacturing something. We didn't trust them to not take everything from us. He paused briefly. Tilda's calves twitched with the burst of muffled gunfire. When we realized that we had a vaccine, we started synthesizing it in mass before we told anyone. But somehow the enforcers found out anyway. They destroyed the main lab, killed the other scientist. We thought this one had escaped their notice. He looked up as more dust billowed from above. We were wrong. They came here and destroyed our stock and shot my colleagues. Except for me. When I heard... He broke off, averting his gaze. I hid. I heard them talking. They kept one sample. Stored it in a cold transport container. Said they were taking it to ARM headquarters in D.C. I don't know why, and by the sound of it, neither did they. Analysis, maybe? They want to be the heroes, the ones that develop and mass-produce a vaccine. Think of the power that would come with that. Complete control of the vaccine supply. Another beat of silence, Tilda not daring to hope, her throat dry. There's still one vaccine left. The man nodded. Yes. They just left with it, too. If you're quick and you're smart, you might be able to get it back from them. Of course, you're more likely to be killed in the process, he added in a detached, scientific way. But for a child, please, may I see him? Tilda shook her head automatically, Madison's hands clenching in the fabric of her jacket. Please, the man begged, his quiet plea almost lost in the increasing volume of the ruckus taking place outside. I'll tell you how to get to D.C. and into ARM headquarters undetected. Just please let me see him. The gun shook in Tilda's grip. Going to D.C. to ARM headquarters did not appeal to her at all. It sounded like a one-way trip that ended with her dead and Madison a ward of the state. But she couldn't get the idea out of her head. The chance for him to have a hopeful future and all of the dark and decay around them. She had to do something right by him. Just once. Tilda coaxed a trembling Madison out from behind her. Terrified hazel eyes glistened up at her as she stroked his hair clumsily, 
her other hand still pointing the gun at the stranger. He knelt, reverent, reaching a large, callous hand out, tracing his finger down Madison's cheek. Madison started violently at the touch, and the man retracted his hand. I promise I don't want to hurt you. I would never want to hurt something so beautiful, so perfect. I can't believe I had forgotten. That's enough, Tilda gritted out, allowing Madison to retreat behind her once again. Tell me how to get an arm. With great effort, the man stood and tore his eyes from the spot Madison had just occupied. There's a train, half a mile east. The state transports cargo, heavy machinery and supplies from Chicago to D.C. and back again on the rail. The front few cars are enforcers, other state officials and people, but the back cars are all equipment. He glanced around, striding over to a drawer and rifling around through the papers inside. The train leaves in a couple of hours, maybe less with all the fighting. Hop on it and ride it to Terminus. It lets off in North D.C. He pulled out a folded map triumphantly and held it out to Tilda. She took it hesitantly, stuffing it in her pocket and regripping the gun. The man's voice increased in tempo. The scuffle and shouting sounded closer. It'll take about 11 hours, but once it starts slowing, get off. You don't want to get spotted by deboarding passengers. You'll come out in a train yard. On the south side of the track, you'll see a line of old metro trains. Follow them into a tunnel. Should be a door on either side that'll lead you into the old subway tunnels. You're going to have to travel down the red line to the metro center and take the Fraconia access letter up. Once inside, you're on your own. There was a loud bang, very close in proximity. Tilda jerked, all of her muscles tensing. Whatever you do, protect the child. What's his name? Madison, Tilda replied, held hostage by the deep stare he pinned her with. Whatever happens, keep Madison safe. We need him to remind us. Now find the vaccine. Footsteps thundered down the stairs, and Tilda swung her gun around just in time to see a bloodied enforcer slam into the doorframe, take aim, and shoot the man next to her in the head. As his victim crumpled to the floor, he opened his mouth to alert the other enforcers, and Tilda reacted, her fingers squeezing the trigger. The gun jumped in her hands, driving her back a step. The enforcer collapsed to one side, weapon clattering to the floor. Tilda stared, unable to comprehend the magnitude of what she had just done. Shouting and more pounding on the stairs jolted Tilda out of her shock and she grabbed Madison's hand, pulling him down to the far end of the room and taking the back door out, pushing open the emergency stairwell door. It slammed shut behind them and Tilda powered up the stairs, Madison doing his best to keep up behind her. She could hear a muted yelling from behind the thick door and she rammed open the first door she came across after two flights of stairs. Tilda nearly tripped over some debris, blinking as the gray light assaulted her unaccustomed eyes. Taking a second to orient herself, Tilda figured out which direction was east and started to sprint along the street, dodging chunks of rock and metal. Smoke burned in her lungs, every gasping breath like fire. Gunfire shredded through the air, grazing the side of the building Tilda and Madison ran past, shrapnel biting into their exposed faces. More shouting assaulted her ears, but Tilda didn't turn to look. The dust and smoke provided them some cover. No one pursued them. Tears streamed down Tilda's face, whether from irritation due to the smoke or the grief at her decision, the knowledge that the closer they got to that train, the closer she got to the possibility of never seeing Madison again. She couldn't be sure. She felt like she was buying a ticket to her own death. Still, 
Tilda forced burning legs forward, one in front of the other. Dazedly, she realized she still held the gun in her hand. Tracks to the left caught Tilda's attention. There was a train yard ahead and Tilda crossed to it, slowing her pace to a fast walk. Madison gasped wildly next to her, coughing intermittently. The ground beneath their feet was packed dirt, overgrown with dry grass and weeds. Rows of tracks led to the station behind them, crossing and crisscrossing again. How was she supposed to know which train to get on? She asked herself desperately, cursing the man for not clarifying and herself for not specifying. A clacking sound ripped her from her recriminations and she jogged toward it, ducking between abandoned trains. Through the slats between cars, she could see movement, a gray snake, slow now but gaining speed. Tilda and Madison hopped over a metal bar connecting two cars just as the last few cars of the train started to stream past them. Luckily, the train had yet to gain any real momentum, the rusted cars of red, green, and black missing strips of paint. Tilda broke into a jog, glancing down the ends of the train to make sure they had no observers. Finding none, she ran for the tracks, looking for the safest option for them to hop on the car sliding past. She saw an open car a few sections down. Running alongside the train, she waited for the car to catch up to them, swinging Madison up into it and then hoisting herself inside and swinging her legs over the edge. Coughing, she rolled into her back and propped herself up on her elbows, checking her surroundings, half-heartedly lifting the gun. There was nothing in the car with them but textiles and some other construction materials. No enforcers. She flopped onto her back, searching out Madison with her eyes. He crawled over to her, tears leaving streaks in the dark soot on his face. She propped herself up, scooting backwards until her back met the wall and opening her arms, inviting. Madison melted into her embrace, sobbing. Tilda petted his hair, turning her neck to watch Chicago disappear, becoming smaller and smaller as the train gathered speed. Just a little later, the smallest delay, and they would have missed the train. Smoke billowed from the streets. Tilda tried to piece together the morning's events. Everything had happened so fast. Only hours ago, she was in the cab of a truck, part of a convoy of at least 30 people, on her way to Chicago looking for a vaccine. Where was everyone now? For all she knew, everyone that had accompanied her was dead. And now, she was on a train to D.C., to the very heart of everything she'd been running from all of these years. The stronghold of those who would take Madison from her and see her dead. Was she insane, acting on the word of a man she barely knew? But the sheer awe in his eyes as he beheld Madison made Tilda believe him. She shuddered, remembering his gasp of surprise and the sound of his body falling lifelessly to the floor. One second alive, the next not. It took only a millisecond to rip the life from someone. And now Tilda had killed someone herself. The gun was still in her hand. Disgusted and frightened, she tossed it over the side, a feathery sob escaping past her lips. Did you kill him? Madison Rose's gaze to meet hers, tears shimmering, making round hazel orbs appear even larger. Tilda regarded him for a long moment, her own eyes leaking steadily. Yes, she whispered, terrified of his rejection. His body convulsed silently and he huddled into her side, apologizing profusely. Why are you sorry? Tilda asked, Madison's grief pulling her from her own. You did it to protect me. Tilda stroked his hair. It's not your fault, baby. I'm the one that killed him, not you. 
Madison only wept harder. I don't need a vaccine. Please, I don't want to go where the enforcers are. Heart clenching, Tilda shushed him, cooing. It's going to be all right. Madison shook his head into her shoulder miserably. I've never seen anyone die before. Neither have I, Tilda confided to him, hating that he'd seen so much bloodshed at such a young age. I wish you hadn't seen any of that. Wish you hadn't either, he stammered timidly. None of this is your fault, she reiterated. But it's because of me, he argued. No, Tilda disagreed. It's because of me. Because I love you so much. Madison stilled at that. Tilda attempted to recall the last time she had told him she loved him. She hugged him closer to her. We'll get through this. His sobs quieted. The steady forward motion and hum of the train dampened Tilda's overactive nerves. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And that brings us to the end of this installment. As you can tell, I did, uh, I also had to split this one up. So if it ends sort of abruptly, that's why. But yeah, a lot happens. Uh, in, in that one, <laughs> I want to reiterate this. I wrote this before The Last of Us, but I keep finding similarities, but we're really getting down to it now. Um, and this was, when I was reading this, I was like, this is more dramatic than I thought. It also had a phrase that I was unwilling to change, fireflies from her vision. 
I don't think that's what you say. But that's why I left it in. But yeah, it, it does feel very, you go to this place and then you go to this place and then you have to go to this place. And then it's it's video game. Like that's what a, a video game is like. But I hope you're enjoying it. We are getting, we're close. We are close to the end, but there are two other installments. Um, so we'll see. But I hope that you're enjoying it. I love hearing from people about it. Even if it's just like, I like this, that means it makes my day. So thank you for that. And thanks as always to Christina, our super producer who makes these possible. She makes them sound so much better. So amazing. Thank you. If you have any thoughts, theories, uh, suggestions for other things we could do like this, um, please let us know. You can email us at stephaniamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff Mom Never Told You. Uh, we have a Tee Public store. We have a book that you can order at StuffYouShouldReadBooks.com. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff Mom Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.